Welcome to Born to Sell Denver with Ryan Smith and Sean Mowdry. We have two very special guests today, Justin Juarez and Jose Bonilla, and they are both team leaders in Keller Williams. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about the path of an agent and leadership. So first, I want to welcome uh, Jose. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, thank you guys for having me on. This is awesome. And I just want to say I'm extremely impressed with the setup and everything. So this is really cool. Um, yeah. So I am Jose Bonilla. I've been in real estate or a licensed real estate agent now for uh, 13 and a half years. Um, you know, started basically at the bottom of the recession, uh, you know, HUD homes, foreclosures, REOs, the whole thing. So that was, uh, that was a really fun time to get into it. Um, you know, since then, I've gone from, you know, being a buyer's agent on a team to being a solo agent, uh, to hiring administrative staff, getting into coaching and, um, you know, developing a, a, a really great team that, that I'm extremely proud of. Um, and then, uh, you know, after that, just taking in all the opportunities that Keller Williams has to offer, um, getting into leadership, and uh, here I am now as a as a team leader uh, here for the Keller Williams uh, Advantage Office. Awesome! And Justin is joining us by phone. This is a new thing for me today. Uh, we are connected by phone to Justin Juarez. So, Justin, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, like Jose, uh, it's an honor to be with you guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be there, and I apologize I'm not there in person. Um, I have been in the real estate industry for 23 years and uh, been licensed since 2001. Like Jose, I got started right during uh, a shift of 2009-11, had also experienced the shift of 2008, the COVID shift of 2020, and the interest rate shift of 2022. So uh, it has been a wild ride for sure. Very cool. Okay, so you guys both are very accomplished real estate agents, and so you made the decision somewhere along the line to go into leadership. So let's talk a little bit about that. What was that decision like for you guys? Justin, you want to lead it off? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, I got my employment broker license two years in the business and built my first brokerage to uh, about 40 agents under my license. And it was a great opportunity to uh, experience uh, my first taste of true leadership. I came from corporate America and uh, being fully transparent, I was a horrible leader, right? Because I didn't know what I did not know. Uh, and what I realized throughout that path though, is I truly enjoyed uh, being um, in leadership, but I also had to go through a lot of personal development. Uh, so for me, I have been uh, and continue to be a work in progress. Now, as an active agent, uh, when I was, you know, full-time agent, fully focusing, you know, I do about 40 to 50 deals a year. So uh, I was active, right? And uh, I was not chasing the purchase prices of today's market. So it was a much different time, but it was a great opportunity. And for me, one thing I truly enjoyed is be just being in an environment of collaboration and most importantly, being in a situation where I had the opportunity uh, opportunity to uh, have a small piece of somebody's success or growth within the real estate market. So it was something that initially attracted me to leadership. And it's something that I continue to work on personally to be an effective leader. And that's great. So Jose, you uh, actually about a year ago, I think a little over a year ago, we approached you and started talking to you about it and you made the same decision. So tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I feel like ever since I started in real estate, I felt like I wanted that, um, that growth or, um, how should I say this? I just didn't want to be stuck. Right. So I wanted to always see what my next step was. And the way this came about was, um, and it's funny, it was never really clear until, uh, I came to Keller Williams. Okay. I really saw like the different pathways that I could take. And what ended up happening is this, I had my team develop to the degree where we were doing a little bit over 100 deals a year. I had um, I had a great uh, listing coordination team. I had my buyer's agents. I had enough leverage where I was working about 20 hours a week, right? And it was, you know, following the systems and models and everything uh, that we get taught here. Um, I was in a really good spot. And what I started thinking about was like, okay, well, my whole you know, I'm pouring into uh, my team, right? I'm pouring my heart and soul into these people, making them as great as they can be. And I want them to have 
an opportunity for growth also, right? Not feel stuck, not feel like, okay, this is as far as I can go with, with a team. And you know, now I got to be a solo agent. So my first thought was, and this is honestly when I first met you, Brian. So this is when we first started like talking about potentially doing something like a satellite office or something. And I was like, okay, well being in leadership and having my own office and something to that effect would be really cool. Start hashing out all the numbers and everything. It's like, okay, that didn't, that wouldn't necessarily make sense. Okay. And then, you know, getting more intentional about the profit share opportunities that we have here at the company and so forth. Right. And this is what, this is what finally did it. So I basically thought like, I love what I do, but you know, there's only so much, um, how should I say this? There's only so much I can do in that position, um, to help more people. I need to be able to scale it in a different way. And once bills are paid, what's the passion? What's the passion project? And it was a perfect opportunity. It all came into alignment. You know, when I met with you and Justin, it was just like, okay, well, I know you were thinking about, you know, potentially doing your own brokerage. I know you've been more intentional about profit share, and this is the perfect opportunity to do that. Um, and then from that, it even opened up another floodgate of things. So, yeah. So I got a couple questions for both of you. Um, separate questions, though. Um, since you just spoke, Jose, I'm going to I'm gonna just dump it, jump in on you. <laughs> dump in on you. Um so you intrinsically knew, it seems, that in order for your team to maintain their connection to the organization, you had to continue to grow and you had to continue to create opportunity. Is, is that what pushed you into improving, you know, moving into another role? Because right now what some people might not know is you still have your team while you're a team leader, right? And I was a team leader. I don't know how you do that. Like, I mean, it took, I was working half days as a team leader, 12 hours a day, you know, like it was, it was a full time right. thing. So I, I mean, it impresses me that you can do that. So was that the reason? Yeah. I mean, I know that in order for me to, and it's not about, you know, keeping my people, but I feel like keeping a vision for them and still having them excited to come into work every day and doing what they got to do is to, you know, grow my organization have my umbrella big enough so that people's world fits in my world. Yeah. And so that's something that we get from, you know, uh, from this organization quite a bit. Right. And so being able to do that for my team was very important to me. And you know, 100%. I knew what I was getting into. Justin and Brian were very transparent with me on, on what that, that took. And it was perfect, uh, in that time because I was able to step out of the production side of my business. Yeah. Like I haven't been in production now for, you know, close to half a year now where my team handles everything, yeah. which is really nice to have. But it, I was able to look at all the holes in my business, all the holes in my business that I needed to fill in in order to be able to leverage out and do this. Now, in this last year of being in this role, I was able to also see the holes that I had in this organization to fill them in to be able to leverage that. And what, you know, I was, you know, I'm joking around with Justin when we were talking about this last year being in this position. I feel like I got a, like I got a business degree. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I got taught so much on how to be able to leverage, you know, like you were saying, like, you know, working half days, 12 hours a day, right. As a team leader. And I'm like, look, there's, I see examples of other people running multiple businesses. Yeah. So it can be done. It's not, can it or can't it. Right. It's a, it's how. Right. Yeah. And so we just got to figure that out. I love that. What a great example too. Yeah. Well, I think also a lot has changed, you know, since you were a team leader, Sean, and we understand leverage at a way higher level now. And Jose and, and Justin and I have had lots of talks about the team, you know, and the best way for you to leverage is to have A players on your team. And when you have that, then everything becomes easier and everything uh, takes less time and you have to be able to succeed through others. Well, and, and I think this is a cool example of this is in order to attract and retain A players, you have to continue to allow opportunity. And if you would have stayed in the role in the team without expanding the team in some way or moving you to another role, it would eliminate it would have limited the opportunities for those top players. One hundred percent. And they would have left. Yeah. And, and they should. Yeah. Now I have a director of operations. Now I have a you know um uh, director of sales, you know, and and they continue to grow as well. So So Justin, you uh, owned a different brokerage at one point. And how is that different than what you do now? Well, what I'll share with you is um, it's a lot different because although I owned two franchises of another brokerage, um, it was all on me. 
right? And there's a there's a rule in this business, right? The the ceiling of any brokerage is the top producer. And for leadership, the ceiling of the leadership at any brokerage is the leader. And although I had my own brokerage, I was truly on an island, right? I felt like I did not have collaboration. I did not have uh, resources. And the main difference about Keller Williams in a leadership standpoint, I truly believe Keller Williams is a personal growth company with a compensation plan attached, right? So uh, Keller Williams has allowed me to grow uh, personally and professionally. And the big difference is mentorship, uh, collaboration, resources, and one thing I realized from when I joined Keller Williams as an agent close to seven years ago is uh, there's levels to this business. And what I realized is I was a very small fish in a very uh, small pond. And coming to Keller Williams has just opened up my eyes to so much more in the business world. And I can truly say, like Jose said, uh, you know, he got a business degree. I can relate to that because today, um, from an agent standpoint, if an agent came in and met with me today and said, I need to know what I need to do to make six figures, I can show them how to do that. If an agent said, I need to know what I need to do to make seven figures, I can show them how to do that. And to Jose's point, uh, that's the exact conversation that we had met. Jose partnered with Keller Williams at the end of 2019, and he was the number one producer at his previous brokerage, uh, the number one team at his previous brokerage, and when I met with him, he said, I need to know how to make seven figures. He had never done that before. And uh, we drew it out. We reverse engineered it. We put together a plan. We did weekly coaching. He hired a business coach. Jose did all the heavy lifting. I'm in no way taking any credit for what he did. But number one, he had a vision because he was surrounded by other people who were making seven figures. So that became a reality for him, right? He had the paradigm shift because if he or she could do it, so could he. And it was just a matter of plugging into those systems. And with Jose's first year in the business uh, with Keller Williams, his first year with Keller Williams, uh, he was able to close over that 100 deals and make that seven figures. So that's a big testimonial that we are both very proud of. And we share that because uh, that's the power of partnering with a company uh, that has the, the models, the resources, and the people to help people achieve success, whatever that looks like for them. Yeah, I think a lot of agents, they look at their real estate career and they think, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell and I'm going to sell for a long period of time. And, and you know, Sean, uh, you were talking about this earlier before we started. You had a conversation mm -hmm. with a, um, you know, a pretty famous broker around here yeah. about that. Um, so tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, so I had a couple business partnerships um where we would do buyouts with the home builders. So we would go in and um, we would literally buy their contingent properties and they would pay us a fee to do that, which was super fun and lucrative for a short period of time. This was pre 2008 recession. And uh, so it was two, it was myself and two other top brokers. And uh, one of them, um, very first agent I ever know to make a million dollars. He was the first agent to make a million dollars in a year. And um, I said to him, I said, you know, Scott, I'm not like you, right? I said, um, I don't want to be 70 years old selling real estate. I said, you love real estate. I said, I, I said, I like it, <laughs> but I don't want to <laughs> be doing this when I'm 70. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's the, I think that's the kind of thread for those of us that, you know, you know, I had a very successful real estate career and, and I felt like at the time I had kind of done as much as I could. Now, now I, I, I like how you said you're a small fish or small or a big fish in a small pond. I, I just think of it like I'm a nearsighted fish in a, in an ocean. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's all there. You just got to change the lenses. But I think for me, I felt like I had maxed out what my potential was as an agent and I wanted to transition. So this was going to be my question to you, Justin. And I mean, anybody can answer this question, but you, you made me think of this as what are the right reasons to move into leadership, either as a team leader to lead your team or as a team leader of an office? What are the right reasons to do it? And what are the wrong reasons? Because I, I feel like I feel like there's people that do it for the wrong reasons. Well, I, I, I love this question. And, you know, uh, because of my role, I've had the opportunity to interview people who were thinking about getting into leadership. And one of the questions I asked them is why leadership? 
And I feel a wrong reason to get into leadership is because somebody wants a paycheck, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're getting into the role to get a paycheck, uh, then it's a job, right? And when you have a job, uh, in many cases, most jobs in corporate America, most jobs will pay you just enough so you don't quit. And the employee works just as hard as enough to not get fired, right? And if somebody's thinking about leadership because they just want a steady paycheck in real estate, that is the wrong reason, in my opinion, that is the wrong reason to get into leadership. For me, the right reason to get into leadership is because you want an opportunity to build as big a world as you want, and you want an opportunity to impact the lives of other people. See, one thing I know about a job in corporate America is most people get paid on the position, not the person. Sean, if you and I worked in corporate America and we had the same job title and we had the same office, are we next to each other, are the cubicle next to each other? In most cases, we would get paid about the same because we had the same job title. Probably not, but, right? I'd probably get fired. <laughs> I've, been, I've been in that role. <laughs> right, me too, me too. And you know, when you're in an opportunity like leadership within Keller Williams, you have an opportunity to get paid on the person, not the position. So the right reason to get into leadership is because you look at this as uh, an opportunity to build as big of a career as you want. And you know, to Brian's point, I joined as an agent, uh, Keller Williams in 2016, and was given an opportunity to be in leadership. And Brian has been very instrumental in my growth within Keller Williams, uh, a great mentor, and has provided a great opportunity. And through that, uh, my life has changed uh, completely for the better, 180 degrees from where I was. And, you know, because of that, I'm very proud to be a part of Keller Williams. I'm very proud to be a part of Brian Smith's organization. And I can truly say that uh, leadership has changed my life. Now, again, being fully transparent, there was some growth that had to happen, right? I think uh, people who want to aspire are in leadership. They have to be uh, learning-based. They have to have an open mind, and they have to be willing to uh, to grow. Because if somebody comes into a position thinking that they're just going to be, you know, the same old person and not have to grow as a leader, uh, they're, they're going to find it very difficult for them. So, uh, for me. To summarize, the wrong reason to get into leadership is because you think it's just a steady paycheck, and the right reason is because you want to change uh, your your world and the lives of other people around you, uh, specifically your team that you're partnered with in, in leadership, whether it be a real estate team or uh, an executive leadership team running a market center. Um, I got to jump on this Brian Smith bad wagon. No, we're not going to do oh, this. Yeah, we're yeah, not really quick, do this. really quick. <laughs> so... It, you know, I, I was reflecting after I had left Keller Williams for a period of time because I was at Keller and then I left and built another brokerage. And I think twice or something. I don't know, maybe. But anyway, go one. ahead. I only left once. <laughs> no, no one's counting. No, no one's counting. No. no, I no, I quit on you once. And you then did. I, yeah, yeah, but then I only left Keller Williams once. That's right. Yeah. So there's two different things. Um, I guess I quit on you, you twice. You've, you've <laughs> like you've quit on me like twice. I mean, multiple times, actually. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. But but here's the thing is uh, reflecting back on it, and I wrote this. By in, the way, we're taking applications for replacement for Sean because I know he's going to leave me within the next six months. So that's why I'm not on the podcast list. Like it says, Brian Smith, not not my name. He'll leave Brian. He he's not leaving me. I'm not offended by it. By the way, I've, I've also wondered like what people think about the picture. Like which one is me and which one is Sean? Is Sean in the the front or the back? I'd love to hear like people's feedback about that. We but anyway, all, go ahead. We all know the truth. Okay, so so here's the thing: is reflecting back, I was writing. I was writing my my book, uh, Sixteen Strategies for Sales, and I was reflecting back on leadership and. The interesting thing about Brian as a leader is he allows you to fail, right? Like I'm a very driven, stubborn, opinionated person, right? Like I do my own research. Can I add in a few more? No, I'm just <laughs> and but but what Brian recognized in me was I am that creativity is what we needed in the market we were in. Like when I was a team leader, we were coming into a recession, nobody had really figured out the brokerage thing yet. Like nobody had figured out how to recruit during a screamingly falling market when all of a sudden your phone stopped ringing and everything 
everything's going into foreclosure and short sales, and we hadn't figured it out yet, how to recruit and get a bro brokerage to profitability. But he let me be creative and solve it my own way, because had I tried to solve it the way it was always done, agent or team leaders were trying that they were trying to do what was always done, recruiting the top producer from the competitive company, but the top producer didn't have a solution either. Right. And the top producer didn't want to learn how to door knock foreclosures and door knock short sales and help people negotiate forbearances and help people negotiate short sales. They wanted their phone to ring and list and sell luxury homes. So that model of recruiting producers wasn't working and he gave me the flexibility to go out there and fail. And, and even when he knew some things I was doing wouldn't work, he still let me, gave me the opportunity to do that and fail. And I needed that as a leader, right? As a leader, as a, as a person, I needed that as somebody who trusts me enough to let me fail. And also in that, come up with a new solution that we adopted to the other offices at the time and really kind of pulled us through the recession. That's true. Yeah. So, so kudos to Brian. Happy birthday. Well, you know, I, 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 well, this is not going to turn into a, you know, Aww. we love Brian thing, He's but good. I appreciate you guys. And I've had the opportunity to be in business with all of you guys and, and help. And I think the conversation really needs to be about who you're in business with matters because I, every, every person that I've hired, I've hired with the idea that I was going to help them take the next step. You know, I think a lot of people that hire leaders, they want to keep that leader. And they, like Justin said, they do just enough to keep them. And talented people will find their next opportunity. And so my job then as the operating principal then becomes helping them find their next opportunity. And there's a lot of people that I've been uh, in business with that have had an opportunity and, as Sean said, left me um, for the next opportunity because they've did so well, and I gave them my blessing to do it. And so I think that's one of the major things as a leader of leaders that you have to really focus on is find talented people, develop them, help them find their next opportunity, and stay in business with them if you can, because they've obviously proved themselves once they can do it again. Um, anyway, is there, uh, Jose, is there anything that you can think of uh, that uh, to continue that conversation of the right reasons and the wrong reasons to get into leadership. Yeah, and I mean, even just to piggyback on what you were just saying is, you know, it's it's finding those natural leaders or those people that want to want to keep growing. Um, and what I do love about like when I first uh, started in this organization is that is that opportunity. Like I, right now, I'm just thinking to myself, like I remember just being able. Uh, I mean, Justin helped me. Or, or, or put me in rooms that I would have never been in by myself, right? Um, and that goes, I mean, I mean, even just a couple months ago, being in the same room as a billionaire, right? Like, I would have never gotten that opportunity if it wasn't for you guys, right? And so, um, you know, and that starts with, like, a top-producing agent who, like, says, hey, you know, like, what's next? It's like, well, I don't know, do you, uh, what's your niche? Do you want to teach a class in the market center? Um, do you want to... Um, you know, do you aspire to be maybe uh, a certified trainer to do this or whatever the case is and grow your leadership skills? So um, I think that's a that's a big deal and finding those people and giving them the opportunity to take that next step. Um, as far as, uh, you know, right reasons, wrong reasons to get into leadership. I mean, I can just echo exactly what Justin said at the end of the day, like, you know, in the position that I was in personally, you know, this wasn't a, a job to pay the bills. Right. Like my bills are being paid by the business that I've developed before. Right. And so this is more of a an opportunity. Yes. Like it's it's great. Like I want the opportunity to do to, you know, grow and expand and so forth. But like the other big thing is like, you know, as an agent, I really enjoyed showing houses until I didn't anymore. Right. <laughs> and so I, I uh you know, well I, said. Uh, right? <laughs> and so I loved open houses until I wanted my weekends back. And, and I, I loved, you know, helping my clients until I really enjoyed watching my agents grow. Right. And then pouring my heart and soul into them. And so, um, you know, taking those next steps and, and, and then now, now I'm at a point where I'm developing my leaders in that organization. I'm developing, you know, for, for, for our office, our ALC, and that's my new team right? That I get to help. And so now I'm helping leadership, you know, be better. And so, um, now I can, I can scale 
I'm able to like one of the, one of the, my favorite things to do in this office is being in front of the training room where now I get to share my experiences, help people reduce more and help them take that next step. Yeah. So when that's the energy that I'm coming from, not like, Oh crap, I gotta, I gotta do just enough just to make sure that I, I stay here. Like that's, that's rough. Yeah. Well, I think if you, if you go into a leadership position thinking I'm going to do just enough to be average, mm. then you're in big trouble. You know, I would never do this role. And I, I did this role. I mean, in fact, you know, real quickly, my story was I was a, I started in 1997 with Keller Williams as a single agent, brand new agent, new to Denver, and was rookie of the year the first year that I sold. And uh, incidentally, I, I sold 18 houses. The average sales price was $100,000. So my volume was $1.8 million. <laughs> there you go. And I, and and I, you was, were I was kicking ass. You were in the million dollar club. Remember that? That's right. The million dollar That's club right. was if you did a million in volume. So not, not, <laughs> not GCI, a million in volume, right? And uh, I went to a mega camp in 2001. And I was sitting there in the crowd. And there was probably 1,000 people in the room. So it was a lot smaller back then. And this lady comes up and sits next to me and she introduces her or she didn't introduce herself right away. She just says, Oh, you know, um, actually she did. She said, my name is Nikki. And, um, she said, tell me about your business. And so I start talking to her about my business and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing like 30 deals a year now. And I work half as, as much time as my friends and make three times as much. And I'm loving life. And I was pretty cocky. And so I said, well, Nikki, tell me about your business. And she said, well, last year, me and my husband did $65 million in Florida. Ooh. And I felt really, really small. <laughs> okay. And she said, it's okay. Let me tell you what you need to do next. And she started talking. It's okay. Talking. You're going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patted me on the head, you know. And so she started telling me about personal branding for your business. And she started talking about focusing on listings and focusing on leads and I, evidently, there was like this little triangle that she was kind of describing. And then a couple of years later, that came out in MREA, and oh. she was one of the people in MREA, right? So I, I went back to Denver, and I started doing that. And I built a team, and we got up to about 60 deals a year. And uh, then I was approached by the operating principal. Well, actually, the, the what was going to be the future operating principal of the office, because he was uh, buying the office, and he asked me if I wanted to be the team leader. And so I said, yes. And it was at the Southeast office in Aurora. And so I pretty much dropped my business, turned it over to my buyer's agent, which was not a good decision, and uh, started acting as the team leader, even though I wasn't hired yet. And then two months later, he called me and said, come to my office, we need to have a conversation. So I sat down and he said, I've got good news and bad news for you. Which one do you want first? And I said, I guess um, the good news. And he said, so-and-so is going to be the team leader of the Southeast office. I'm not going to mention the name. That and was I, the good news? Yeah. And I said, oh. well, what's the bad news? And he goes, you're not. <laughs> okay. And so a man named Al Alba, who was the regional owner at the time, and he owned multiple franchises, he called me and he asked me what happened. And I told him the story. And so he said, well, there's an opportunity at the Southwest office. Do you want that? Now, at the time, the Southwest office, we had uh, three categories, launch offices, emerging offices, and, and growth office, I, th I think it was. So that office had, was in a category of 100 offices for offices that had been around for a significant period of time. Southwest was number 100 on the list. So it was literally the worst office in the system. And so I went over there and, and I said, if I'm going to do this, we're going to be partners. Mm. And I want an opportunity to buy ownership. And by the way, I don't have any money. Because I was like a lot of agents where you make a lot of money, but you never build wealth. Because when you, have a, when you make a lot of money, you pay a lot of taxes. And the more money you make, the more you pay. Well, and honestly, when you're building a business, you're reinvesting. That's right. So in That's fairness. Right. Yeah. So if I was going to turn this thing around, I wanted the opportunity to build uh, a business that I would own part of it. And he gave me that opportunity. Now, he did make me sign a note, put a note on my house for the money he loaned me, but he gave me that opportunity. And it was the first time, I think, that anybody really had like a vision for me about being, you know, being a business owner and, and doing something different than 
than selling houses. And it was really cool. And I stayed in business with him for a long time. I went to the region. Um, he helped me buy other offices, loaned me money to buy other offices. I did sign a note. There was no handouts. There was no handshake. Like, it was a note. And you did the work. And I had to write a check yeah, every cause, year. Because <laughs> he, he wasn't exactly... He wasn't exactly like, uh, oh, we'll work it out in the long run. He's like, you're going to pay me. Yeah. Good luck. But if it doesn't work out, you're going to pay me. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the key is, is like who you get into business with matters. And I think when you're a business person and you're growing leaders and you're finding opportunities and you're building more business then your, your opportunities are limitless because really you could start, if you find a talented person, Go start a business with them somewhere else. Like we're always looking for people who want to be team leaders because we know that if we find somebody who's a a really good team leader candidate, we'll go buy another office. Hmm. Okay. So anyway, that was a long story. I don't know what my whole point of that was other than I I think the important part is who you're in business with matters. You know, and I'm going to just finish that, that, that thought on, you know, where I see people fail in leadership. And, you know, as a coach, I I get this all the time is people say that they want to build a team or build a brokerage or, or whatever. And, you know, the question on why, right. And for, I would say there's a huge majority of people, probably 70%, they want the accolades, they want the recognition, they want to be standing in front of the room. It's they, very ego-based. Yeah, they want yeah. the visibility of the leadership. But when it comes to the accountability, managing the finances, taking the risk, um, s- s- taking responsibility when things don't go right to their people, they don't want that. Yeah, And I think that's the question. Like, are you willing to accept all of the responsibility of your team, right? Because you can't say... Well, we're failing because Johnny's not doing his job or because the market's shifting or this or that. It's you are ultimately responsible because you're the leader. Are you willing to accept that responsibility, right? Because if you're going to take all the rewards and say you did all this and you accomplished all this, then you have to accept all the failures too. Yeah, 100%. And that goes for every level. Right, whether you're you're the team leader of a, of a production team or team leader of an office or you know whatever the case is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's the f- a great leader, I believe, will take responsibility for everything and credit for nothing. So when you do well, you always point to the other people. You know, we talked earlier about succeeding through others. That's the hardest thing to do for whether you're running a real estate team or whether you're running a, a real estate office is it's not all about you. You can't do it alone. And you always have to give credit to the people who helped get you there. But when there's a problem, it's your fault. Yeah. Take the ownership. Take the ownership. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I will say that, you know, the, the journey that I've been on and owning brokerages and working with these talented guys, I have so many fun stories. And, and um, I think the number one thing you have to do if you're a leader of a team or a real estate office or you're an owner of something is, is really get to know people on a deeper level. And I have to tell this story about Sean really quick. <laughs> um, when Sean was a team leader for me, we had a contest. And um, this contest came about because... Meanwhile, Sean is curiously looking, trying to remember what the story is. Yeah. So before we had this contest, uh, Sean was doing really well in the office. And so I said to him, hey, I, you know, I want to go hang out with you and spend some time with you. I wanted to reward him. And so I took him to a Colorado Avalanche game. And so I, I'm sitting there at the avalanche game with him, and he literally is turned towards me, not watching the game, having a conversation with me, just not even paying attention. And, and the seats were pretty sweet. I don't know if you remember that. It was like, what, six, sixth row? Something like that, yeah. And so you know, he kept talking and talking, and I'm like, I, I feel like I'm on one of the worst dates I've ever been on in my life. You know, <laughs> Can't even watch the game. And I so, was holding his hand. <laughs> and so I finally turned to him, and I said, hey, you know, don't you want to watch the game? And he goes, I don't like sports. And I was like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Big blunder by me. So we had this contest then. And to Sean, like his family is so important to him, his kids. He's got six kids and, you know, a beautiful wife and everything. And, And I knew that was important to him at this point because I got to know him at a deeper level. And so we had this contest. And the, the, if you won the contest, then you got a, uh, trip to Disneyland for you and your family. 
And I'll never forget when Sean came up and accepted uh, the, the, the contest winner. Um, he came up and he had tears in his eyes because that was important to him. And he worked his butt off to win that for him and his family. And that's how you know that, you had, that you're in relationship with your people and you care about your people. And like I've told that story many times before, and I usually tear up, but Sean's giving me a goofy look right now. <laughs> he might be crying. Are you crying? No, I, I, here's the ironic thing is I have courtside seats to the Nuggets this weekend in the Lexus box. So that'll piss off the <laughs> Are rest you of inviting you. me? And I can't honestly name one Nuggets player. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. But I hope they get a lot of field goals. <laughs> But, uh, you know, a lot of this, and Justin could probably, you know, attest to this too, it's, it's not about the money, really. It's about, as Jose said, it's about the opportunities that you give people in the experiences they have. Would you say that's right, Justin? 100%. And as I'm reflecting, I realize that I've uh, been partnered with you for uh, close to six years in a leadership role, and you've never taken me to an avalanche game. So we, we're going to have to talk about that. So <laughs> that's right. Um, but, but, you should take me but, actually based on your client absolutely. list. I know. Right. <laughs> we'll make that happen. So with that being said, um, I wholeheartedly agree. I think the, the, the opportunity and, and here's the thing, it is about changing lives, giving back to people, but uh, being in leadership when you perform, right and you create success, uh, it is very lucrative, right? It, you know, I, you heard me mention earlier that um, my life has changed for the better because of the opportunity, and it was interesting because being in leadership with Keller Williams, uh, I literally was counting up how many revenue streams that Keller Williams alone provides me, and believe it or not, it's 11. Wow. 11 revenue streams just from Keller Williams, and that's incredible because I don't know any other organization out there that would allow somebody to truly uh, have leverage and create wealth and provide opportunity. Now, the important part is, and, and my secret sauce is, uh, I surrounded people, surrounded myself with people a lot better than me, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, to Sean's point, when, when things are going good, uh, as a leader, you get the credit. And if things are facing challenges or going bad as a leader, you get all the credit. But the reality is when things go bad, it's on me. But when things go good, it's because the amazing team, my executive leadership team that truly performs at such a high level in all of their respective roles that as a team, we all, you know, are the ones that are making progress for each individual market center. So um, without a doubt, the relationships are key being in partnership with people who truly also see this as an opportunity for a career with them who also want to change uh, their lives and also have a passion for impacting the lives of other people. One of my greatest rewards of being in leadership is meeting that new agent or that struggling agent or even that agent who says, hey, I'm doing good, but I'm getting burnt out. And you provide them a solution to truly live a life by design because we all know uh, money doesn't mean everything. We all know wealthy people that are miserable. But if you can find a way to do something you love and you can get rewarded, that's the best of both worlds as far as I'm concerned. What are some of the revenue streams that you have now because of being a team leader? You don't have to mention them all, but what are some of the key ones? Well, I get a, a salary from being a team leader. I get a uh, market center profitability bonus. Um, I now have an opportunity to have ownership in uh, two market centers. So I pull distributions from that as well. Um, there are um, growth bonuses, right, for attracting uh, talent to the market centers. Um, I'm also a MAPS coach that creates a, a revenue stream. Um, I still actively sell real estate outside of the team leader role, outside of the team leader hours, uh, residual income through profit share, is a couple, and I got them written down. I don't know how many I just named off, but I, I, there's literally 11 different uh, uh, revenue streams just from Keller Williams, and it's, it, it blows my mind because uh, we all know that the average millionaire has seven, and the fact that this company has provided 11 is uh, it, it, it's really amazing. And here's the great thing. Anybody listening to this podcast has that same opportunity as long as they're willing to do the work. That is so true. 
You know, I had a conversation with uh, an executive from another real estate company. This is probably 10 years ago. And we went to breakfast. And he said to me, where do you get your managers from? And I said, well, I don't hire managers. I hire leaders. And he said, yeah, same thing. And I said, no, (laughs) it's not the same thing. And I talked to him a little bit about the difference between being a manager and a leader. And a lot of real estate offices have managing brokers that run their offices, right? So what's the difference, do you guys think, between being a manager and a leader of a real estate office? See, I didn't understand that distinction until I got to this company too. So um, I think, you know, in my opinion, basically what it is, is that a manager is going to make sure to, you know, hold a certain level of accountability and check things off and make sure things are getting done, right? Micromanaging and, you know, I I just see see that being the case. And I feel like a leader is someone who teaches people how to think, empowers them to take ownership of their role, um, and cast the vision for the for the group. Um, I look at it like this. A manager executes the owner's instruction and plan. A leader executes their vision. And to Justin's point, right, like, you know, I, a long, long, long time ago, Justin and I was the team leader of the office that you have exquisitely run. That was before the iPhone, I yeah, believe. No, it literally actually. was. No, it literally <laughs> was before the iPhone. Because I remember the first agent that brought one of those in, the iPhones in, and I was like mesmerized by it. But you, what you accomplished with that office, the downtown office, was your vision. I know that wasn't within Brian's vision. Brian, you know, Brian and I are friends. You built that to what it is because of your vision, and that's what a leader does. Do you have anything to add to that, Justin? Well, I'll, I'll tell you that, and, and I kind of said something similar you know, to this on my opening comment, is you know, in real estate before, my experience as a broker owner before Keller Williams is I was a manager, right? And Uh, people did what I said because I was the boss and I wrote their checks and they were employed by me. And a manager tells people what to do because they're a boss, right? And when you're a true leader, right, you have to inspire, empower, and motivate. You have to explain what's in it for them. Because at the end of the day, when you're leading a group of real estate agents, you're truly leading a volunteer army, right? If you run... ABC Corporation, XYZ Corporation, uh, and you have employees, you can say, everybody show up at eight, you leave at five, you have to wear this this uniform, and this is what your day looks like. And because they're employees, you can tell them what they need to do. But when you're dealing with a volunteer army, you don't have the ability to tell anybody anything. So you have to inspire them to want to do the things, even though they're the ones that are going to get the benefit of their activities, you have to inspire them. And, and by the way, even when you're leading a leadership team, right? So I think the number one thing, a leader always, to your point, Brian, has a relationship with the people that they're in business with. You have to know what motivates them, what their love language is, right? Their spouse's name, their kid's name. Why do they get out of bed? Because once you know their why, then you can cast the vision of what happens when we as an organization see success. How does that help you reach your why. And when you can walk them through that, now they're going to be motivated to do the thing that they need to do because they see what's in it for them. And they see that they have an opportunity to build as big a world as they want, as long as it's, as long as your world that you've created is big enough to support their world. So Sean, thank you for saying that. And, you know, part of that, and I know Brian, you said this is not a a love fest on Brian, right? But the reality is, Um, I would have never been able to accomplish what I've done within this role if I didn't have the opportunity to do that. Oh, that was like, Brian, this is like the end of the Grinch. Brian's heart (laughs) swelled up. (laughs) I actually just, I actually just rolled my eyes actually to tell you the truth, because you know, all I did was put you in the right place and, and help you become the leader that you are. Like, you know, 
let's have a little transparency here. Like you, you weren't the best leader when you started. Like that was a lot of what we talked about. I was about. a manager. You were a manager. I was a manager, right? Yeah, and when something happened, you would say, "I'm going to do this and this and I'm going to tell this person that you got to do this." And I and I said, "Okay, slow down a second. You know, first question we always ask is what happened, why, you know, what do we need to do moving forward? Adults don't like to be told what to do. Okay. Right. And, and so really it comes down to influence, right? I mean, if you can influence people to do the right things, you're going to go a lot further anyway. So uh, we have a couple minutes left. So what are some of the things that you guys do on a daily basis? So anybody who's interested in being a team leader out there, what are some of the things that you guys have to do every day to be successful? Why don't you start, uh, Jose? All right. So I honestly feel like we can we can do this for any business across the board. And essentially the way the my business is set up is every single morning I have a stand-up with, uh, with my leadership uh, groups. And so that goes for my production team as well as, as the office, right? Making sure we're all on the same page. We go over numbers, so forth and so on. Um, we do role play script practice every morning. And so, and it's really cool. Just the team leader role and, and just being in real estate, like they all, I mean, they all mesh together. We have to do the same activities. It's the same thing. Right. And so role play script practice, knowing, uh, knowing what to say, how to say it, uh, and having great conversations. Right. So we practice that. And then from nine to noon is basically lead generation. So I'm, I'm calling, I'm calling for listings. I'm calling for buyers and I'm calling for agents to help them grow within the company. Right. So, um, that's literally nine to 12, uh, 12 to one. Uh, if, uh, it's either uh, lunch or I'm usually fasting and, uh, I'll take a walk, get a little workout in and then come back and do my, my up. And so I'm a big believer in this. And this I think goes for, you know, whether you're an agent or any business or whatever, I'm literally looking for income generating opportunities from 9am to 2pm after 2pm that's when I hold my appointments. Okay. And so that's when I'm meeting with, you know, from two to five, I'm meeting with agents in the office, um, five 30 and six 30 are my appointment slots. If I have uh, listing appointments, um, and that's it. And then I've got a powerful, uh, administrative group, uh, that handles everything else. So, um, the cool thing about my role right now is my two responsibilities are basically, uh, lead generating and presenting in both roles. Very cool. Justin. So for me, my day begins also with a daily stand-up with my leadership team. And sometimes it's a 15-minute quick uh, meeting. Sometimes it's a little bit longer, but we review uh, where we're at, right? We look at our, uh, our numbers as a market center on the metrics we have to hit. We talk about any issues that need to be discussed, and it's just making sure that we're in constant communication so everybody knows where we're at. Uh, after that, uh, my hours of 9 to 11 a.m. are for lead generation, right? So, again, it doesn't matter if you're a real estate agent. doesn't matter if you're in leadership. doesn't matter if you own a coffee shop, restaurant, clothing store. At the end of the day, nothing else matters except driving customers to your business. And from a leadership role, we are, I am always looking at attracting top producers, like-minded individuals, that would be a good fit to our office. So I'm very intentional about building relationships with people. Um, so during 9 to 11 is my follow-ups. It's uh, calls that I need to set appointments. Uh, 11 to 12 is typically uh, email follow-up, responding to things that I need to do. Uh, I also take a lunch from 12 to 12 to 1 is time blocked for lunch. And then my afternoon is all appointments. And a lot of times those can be appointments with uh, agents that are potentially looking to partner with our offices. Um, and I also time block and have appointments with agents who are currently with our office as far as having business consultations around their business and, you know, uh, meeting with top agents in our office. So uh, obviously if there's meetings or regional trainings or other things that we need to do, I weave those in uh, between the cracks of that. But for the most part, that's my structure where every day I'm intentional about communicating with my leadership team. I'm intentional about looking for opportunities to partner with top agents outside of KW. I'm looking for opportunities to consult and be in conversations and uh, in relationship with agents that are currently in our office to help them reach their goals as well. 
Very cool. Do you have? Do you look like you had something to add, Sean? No. You know what? I just see the the similarity in the model, and it comes back to you know win by noon, right? Like yeah. get done everything that is the eat the frog activities, the prospecting, the accountability, and the conversation. Get all that done by noon, and then the rest of the, if you get it all done by noon, the rest of your day is easy. One hundred percent. And can I? I'm going to piggyback on that real quick, just because. I feel like this is the the most important topic for whether you're an agent or leadership, whatever the case is. Um, and I just remember hearing somebody mentioning like, you know, Gary Keller still prospects. His lead gen is looking for talent, right? So what, wherever you're at, you should still be making those calls. Who are you calling that day that can grow your world or your organization? Um, but with that said, you know, I'm a big believer in setting yourself up, right? In the morning, do something for you, right? Your energy plan, whatever that looks like. You know, go on a walk, get your workout in, you know, change your paradigm. I don't know about, you know, uh, everyone else, or maybe it's just me, but I don't wake up on the right side of the bed every single morning, right? But changing and being intentional uh, about changing my paradigm that morning uh, to, you know, a state of gratitude or whatever the case is, I've got tools in my tool belt to do that. Setting myself up for the day is very important to me. Um, you know, uh, checking in with your, with your leadership group or, or your agents or whatever the case is, but that nine to 12, that, 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 uh, or eight to 12, you know, whatever your day looks like in the sense of, of lead generating, that's the most important part of your day. I will say this sometimes it doesn't always go that way. Some of us have different responsibilities, you know, whether, you know, you're taking the kids to school or whatever the case is. So maybe your world doesn't look like that, but my, the biggest takeaway for, for people who aren't doing this already is this make that time non-negotiable wherever that fits in your schedule so uh, you know my day sometimes we have classes we have different you know uh whatever whatever the case is trainings and so forth you have podcasts you got podcasts right like right now this is diving into my time but even for today and i know this is this is probably the best example because it's literally today i have my time block set up for today for 3 p.m to 5 p.m to get my lead gen done it's going to happen. It is, it is non-negotiable. That's right. Well, I want to thank all of you guys, not just for being on this podcast, but for being in business with me. And um, you guys are all just amazing people. And so um, I think everybody has the opportunity to be great, and you guys seized it. And so thank you guys. And I hope everybody enjoyed this, and we will talk to you soon.